Welcome to Hard Sell, a podcast where my friend and I give each other the hard sell on a piece of media that we enjoy, such as a podcast, a video game, a set of albums, or a sports documentary. My name's Cody Morin. My name's Tim Bloom. And I'm Cozy Hanula. So, I was sitting at the table the other day, eating some Oreos, as you do, and uh, I was reminded of a conversation I have had on more than one occasion with Kayla, which is... Uh, you know, thinking about which Oreo is the best version of the Oreo. And it got mm. me thinking about what are the best versions of a number of different things. So I made a little list of things that come in multiple different versions, standard. Okay. Uh, and I thought we'd come together as a group and definitely agree on what the best version of each thing is. Sure. So for the first one, I already mentioned it, Oreos. You've got your classic. You've got your double stuff. You got your mega stuff. You got the golden ones, the thins, including apparently a thin extra stuff, and then all like the flavors, like mint, toffee, crunch, etc. I have yes. I have an easy answer. I know exactly what I'm picking for this, but is the thin first. extra stuff just a regular Oreo? Because that's what it sure sounds like. It is not. So the thins thin. are like a thinner, crispier cookie. But I think the same, maybe the same amount of cream in the normal one, and then the extra stuff is just more cream, but the same, like, thin, crispy cookie. Interesting. I've only had them, like, once, and they were fine. If that uh, colors my bias on this answer. I'm sure they mostly taste like an Oreo. Uh, Cozy, what is your favorite kind of Oreo? Original Oreo. Really? Not even double stuff? I will eat the double stuff, but I feel like they have too much. Like, if I just want to bite oh into an my Oreo. God. So, my favorite way to eat an Oreo is to eat the frosting out and then eat the cookies. Yes, um, correct. I think the double stuff have too much for that. Um, if I'm just going to, like, bite into an Oreo, then I guess I would rather have the double stuffed. Like, if I'm going to, like, bite it all together, then it has the correct ratio. But it's too much filling for the way I prefer to eat Oreo. So, I prefer the most original Oreo. Fair. What is your favorite, Tim? Double uh, stuff? My favorite, and it's not close, is around the holidays, they make the white fudge covered Oreos that are like... Oh, sure. These yep. Oreos that are covered in this like white fudge, and they are delicious. They're the only... Like, I'll eat an Oreo. Oreo they're a cookie. It's hard to complain about it, but I don't like seek... I don't buy them for myself ever, mm-hmm. uh, but I'll, I'll buy white fudge covered Oreos, which okay. in Portugal, as I Google them, are called Oreo enrobed white, which is a fun <laughs> sort of twist on it. That's but fun. Any, regardless of the name or country of origin, white fudge covered Oreos are delicious. Those are very good. I'm going to have to go with Cozy on this one. I, I like a classic Oreo. My preferred Ugh. method is uh, dunking them in milk, but uh, leaving it in the milk long enough that it like falls apart the so- as soon as it enters your mouth. Um, sure. That's foul because they're I, d- just delicious. Why not uh, double? The best part is the middle. No, because the I best... disagree. I no. have specifically bought like just the cookies. There, you can buy from Nabisco oh. like just the outer cookie part. Uh, I... I bought them and I made a cake with them. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have said in the past, like I wish I could buy just the filling. Uh, <laughs> I like the cookie is <laughs> fine. It's fine, but like I would, I would uh, just in a nut 
just in a vacuum, I would much, much rather eat a like Nilla wafer than I would eat an Oreo cookie. So if you and I are ever living together again for some reason, and the plan <laughs> uh-huh. is we buy a pack of Oreos, scrape out all the frosting, you get all that, and I get all the cookies, and we're both Sure, set. if we want to go full degenerate, uh, <laughs> I think that that works just fine. Great. All right, uh, we'll jump to the next one. Um, let's do another one with lots of categories, an M&M. Again, you've got the classic peanut, peanut butter, minis, and then all the like kind of flavors they've had come out more recently, like caramel, pretzel, etc. <laughs> okay, I'll go first this time. My easy answer is M&M minis. Uh, yep. Minis are my go-to. I think the peanut, they're all good, right? These are all candy. It's hard to like miss with an M&M. Um, but the peanut and the peanut butter, I think, are just a, like a little too much. I'm not a huge peanut guy. I'll eat peanut butter a lot, but I don't. And I like it in stuff, but I'm not like eating mm-hmm. plain peanut butter much. Uh, Got to be the minis. The minis just have a lot, like a snap to them. You know, a little more, a little more candy coating per chocolate. The ratio uh-huh. is slightly better. It's got. I gotta go mini. The tube. I, you get it was a, a hard toss up for me between minis and peanut butter. I think I landed on the peanut butter side. Yeah. Uh, but those I think were definitely the top two for me. Mm-hmm. I don't like peanut butter that much. I really like classic M and M's. Also, um, that's gonna be my favorite one, followed closely by the peanut M and M's. But I got into like a real peanut M and M like phase where that was the only M and M I was really eating, and then I kind of got tired of it, so I went back to like classic. So now I think if I was like faced with a choice, I would just go classic. So what do you have <laughs> against mini M and M's? They're just regular M and M's, but better. Too much coating to chocolate. <laughs> Mm, disagree. You don't get the yeah, tube. I also disagree. I don't the want tube, to. The tube I like to good. eat them kind of like one at a time. You can't eat minis one at a time. Oh no! Oh, no, I eat you them shotgun a t- the tube. Yes, yeah, I was gonna say you eat them a tube at a time. <laughs> That's too much at once. Disagree. I'm a small mouth. Thing. <laughs> sure. Uh, let's go back to another snacky one. This is these are all like snacks and candy and junk. It's the it's one of the few things that comes in like reliably a bunch of different. We're varieties. leading into Halloween. It's on theme. Uh, yeah, let's go with uh, Reese's next. Uh, you've got mm. the classic cup. You've got the big cup. You've got the Reese's pieces. Um, if we're kind of diving into the. Uh, Reese's extended universe. You've got like the take five and the fast break. No, those uh, do not. And count. Reese's peanut butter cups. We are uh, not the diving cereal. In. I do not accept. They are called Reese's take five now. Is that always yes. been the case? It was not always the case, but okay. apparently that's a thing now. Um, Interesting. And then lastly, like, there's what like the hell all are the holiday you doing putting take five in this. But <laughs> yeah. now I, they have rebranded Fast Break yes. and Take Five as Reese's Fast Break and Take Five. Fascinating. Yep. I'm going to be uh, the most yeah. boring part of this segment. And my answer again is the original <laughs> Reese's. And I have strong opinions that that is the only one with the correct ratio of chocolate to peanut butter. Um, I will say Reese's is not my generally favorite candy. I know a lot of people love Reese's. I'm just like not a huge peanut butter person, so like I don't seek them out. But if I'm gonna eat a Reese's, I will only eat the originals. And if you try to give me some of those like the little minis or something, I'm not interested. <laughs> I don't like the Easter eggs. I think the Easter eggs are arguably the worst kind. 
Uh, yeah, the like that or like the Halloween bats and stuff. Yeah, or the pumpkin yeah. things. Like that's way too much peanut butter, not nearly enough chocolate. So yeah. Um, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I think if I'm allowed to branch out here, it's gonna be the Reese's Puff cereal for me. Uh, I ate way mm. too much of that as a kid, and uh, I still will eat some if it shows up in our house very quickly. So, I've never liked Reese's Puff cereal. I don't know why. I like Reese's, and I'll eat cereal, but I don't know. It's Reese's not my favorite anymore, uh, but sure. boy, I ate a lot of it when I was a kid, <laughs> and that could be a reason why you don't it's like it not anymore. my favorite anymore. <laughs> Yeah, you're a but I could say the same about fruity pebbles, and I still will slam multiple bowls of fruity pebbles. So I was gonna say, yeah, it's it's hard to be a thirty year old just like buying. I feel bad enough when I'm buying Cocoa Krispies. I think like uh, Reese's Puffs, I would feel similar. Um, However, I I'm I'm flipping between. It's either the normal ones. I agree that the big ones are too much. It's too much peanut butter. It's not the right ratio. Uh, the peanut butter overpowers the chocolate, and I just feel like I'm eating f- extremely fake, extremely sugary peanut <laughs> butter. Um, it's either the regular ones or the mini ones. The, like, mini, like, holiday in a bag size. Sure. Those are, like, the heaviest chocolate to peanut ratio. Um, so it really depends on what mood I'm in. I'm flipping. I can't decide between the, the little ones and the regular ones. I guess. Fair enough. Little ones, if I absolutely had to decide, but it okay. really depends. Uh, I always well, feel is... sick after I eat a Reese's, though. Can I just say, like, if I buy <laughs> a whole, like, a candy bar Reese's that has two of the regular size cups and I eat them, I feel ill afterwards. I like it. It is them, a but... lot. Yeah, of one sugar. is the correct quantity of Reese's, I think. One is a good amount. Yeah. But I, what am I doing? Saving half a candy bar? What am I? Eight? No. I'm eating the whole thing, and then I feel ill afterwards every single time. Actually, that is what an eight-year-old would of do. the individual wrapped ones. Exactly. For some, but I could eat, like, a whole giant bag of the individual wrapped ones and feel fine, I think. So no. this is solidifying <laughs> that. I think it's got to be the <laughs> Only one way to find out. No. Uh, all right. Last two quick. Uh, Doritos. You've got nacho cheese, cool ranch, spicy sweet chili, spicy nacho, salsa verde, uh, barbecue... Barbecue. That's the barbecue an, I ones did not are know that was a thing. Not good. <laughs> they don't sound good. <laughs> I'm gonna also go with the regular nacho cheese on this one. I've never liked really any of the other flavors. Um, I guess in Doritos' defense, I've also not tried very many of the other flavors. I've mostly Fair. only tried Cool Ranch. But I just remember when I was a kid, and my parents would get like the Costco. 50 bags of chips things and we would oh, eat yeah. all of the chips except the cool ranch doritos really that was <laughs> yeah. my go- that was like my first one to go it would always be the boxes. thing left and none of us liked them <clears throat> wow fascinating cody yeah. i love a cool ranch but uh spicy sweet chili is I the top one for me that. that's so bag. good i love we used to eat those a lot um I, I think I that's the one that I like ate too much of. And they're they're Fair. like too sweet for me now. When I eat them, there's the the sweetness is is like I can only have a handful and then I'm kind of done with them. Yeah. I think I would go cool ranch. I definitely eat nacho cheese ones more often because they're just like what's around and they're they feel like the default Dorito. But the cool ranch ones are they stick out to me more. 
Yeah, I feel like if I'm having like a specific meal that pairs well with chips, I feel like <laughs> generally nacho cheese is like a wine tacos or something. Yeah, nacho the Dorito pairing like for yeah, yeah, for like these, a, these, a uh, these microwave hot dogs sure go pair beautifully with uh, Cool Ranch Doritos. Uh, the Cool Ranch the... offsets the the meaty taste of the Oscar Myers wiener. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned the sweetness. That is like the note that comes through in their barbecue for me. And it is just, uh, it's not very good. I truly didn't even know they had that. You didn't mention 3D Ritos. Um, I didn't, true. I was which, only mentioning ones that are like currently available. <laughs> sure. They revived them like a year ago. Um, oh, I think you're right. Briefly, and then no one purchased them because they taste like ass and then got rid of them again. So Yeah. Uh, okay, last one quick. Mountain Dew. Classic, Baja Blast, Dew SA, Code Red, Voltage, Livewire. All all the classics. Uh, still only one correct answer for this one. And it's yeah, it's Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have a... I have that a, is fair. <laughs> um, I need to look up my answer, though, because it's none of the ones you just mentioned. So someone else... Uh, I don't like Mountain Dew, so I'm going to stick with Diet Coke. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, I think my favorite one of, like, one that's more generally available is their Pitch Black flavor, which is, like, a dark berry-flavored one, and it's pretty, pretty good, but it's only seasonal. And so, like, generally available ones, uh, usually probably Baja Blast, but only, like, with Taco Bell. (laughs) Sure. sure. That's the pairing for Baja yes. Blast, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like every time I've had Baja Blast, I felt like it's too watery. And I don't know if I just have eaten at crappy Taco Bells that don't mix it well. But every time I'm like, this does not taste like Mountain Dew. It tastes like watered-down Gatorade plus Mountain Dew. Which That's is basically fair. what it is. But, um, I feel like it really depends, especially if you're getting it from the Taco Bell. It really depends on the the Taco Bell, uh, the quality of their soda spout. Yeah, true. Um, okay, so my answer is, so I, listeners may or may not know this. I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast before, but I'm allergic to corn, which is why I am so obsessed with Diet Coke, because I started drinking Diet Soda when I stopped being able to drink regular soda. Um, and one of the drinks my parents got me when I was sad about not being able to drink sodas, Mountain Dew used to sell Mountain Dew Throwback, which was like oh, real sure. sugar Mountain Dew, mm-hmm. and it's delicious. It's significantly better, in my opinion, than the actual Mountain Dew. It's hard to find oh, yeah. now. It used to be sold, like, widely. Like, they sold it all over the place. I think it's harder to find nowadays, but it's still... I've not had it in a very long time, so I don't know if this holds up, but at the I, I used to it used to be like that and Diet Coke. I would like go back and forth between Mountain Dew Throwback and Diet Coke before I you know, it's just hard to find. And I just to be became clear, addicted to Diet Coke. In case someone's confused why corn is relevant in this discussion, most regular sodas sweetened with corn syrup. Yeah, I don't just like pour my soda over corn and then eat it with a spoon <laughs> or something like cereal. So just... when it is sweetened with aspartame or real sugar then tim can uh drink it without uh being allergic yes that is correct it's fair well i feel like the last time i saw it was at my local menards so if i'm there again and uh 
and I have some throwback. I'll pick some up for you. It's worth a shot. It's 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 worth trying. It's it's the diet Mountain Dew is terrible. You can't do diet, but the the throwback is great. Well, so the reason I uh, the other reason I thought about all of this stuff is because last episode I pitched you on Monster Hunter World, which is my pick for the best version of Monster Hunter. So Tim, mm. I'll let you take it away with your review of Monster Hunter World. Excellent, A plus transition. That was your best one yet. Unironically, thank you, thank you. Great job, great job. <laughs> it turns uh, out you just have to plan a whole intro around <laughs> your. Uh, well, your I've done in. that in the past, and I I ranted about uh, Yankees rookie to lead into XCOM. <laughs> so I don't know that. Uh, I think some of us are better at that than others. Um, That's fair. Yes, you pitched me Monster Hunter World. Quick recap: the plot that i have pulled from wikipedia very quickly of i did play this game this is not, this yeah. is not me uh, doing the book report without reading the book but is and i quote in an unnamed high fantasy setting humans and other races set their eyes on the new world a separate continent from you might have guessed it the old world um <laughs> basically the plot of this game is that you are a hunter who is part of the fifth fleet the named fifth fleet of colonizers who have headed to the new world uh which is populated not by sentient creatures but the 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 this seems to be a sort of post-apocalyptic what if the dinosaurs in jurassic park won um <laughs> where like half of the world is taken over by dinosaurs and then half is where humans have retreated to and you are headed to the new world to establish a foothold and or research the dinosaurs which are called monsters in in this game um and that is what you do you hunt it's called monster hunter world and you traverse the world hunting monsters it is uh that that's what the game is I was going to say, classic uh, Tim line, it is the thing it is. It is exactly what's on the box. Um, <laughs> basically, the the way, the flow of the game takes is there is like a hub area, a sort of base that you go back to. You do all of your, mess with all your systems. You do all your crafting. You do all your researching, your eating, your fooding, your training, your picking up missions, etc. back at the hub, and then you choose a mission or a location or whatever the case is, and then you go on... Do they call them hunts? Do you go on uh, hunts? Yeah. You, yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Hunts or quests. Yeah, you go on quests, or you go on hunts, and you head into the world to accomplish your quest. Um, and that's how it works. So I have some notes right off the bat immediately i get dropped into the game and you are given a cat friend they're called palicos mm -hmm. uh almost the first line of the game is your cat friend looking at you and saying meow de do uh <laughs> yep. as opposed to howdy do and i was like this is not the tone i expected from this game uh, I did not. I knew little. I don't remember you mentioning the cats, and so to have I didn't an anthropomorphic the sort of servant class of cats uh, who exist throughout the world named Palicos who say meow de do was a different vibe. Uh, I named my cat Eldrick. I would die for Eldrick. That's the only character who's named in the game. Um, it. So that was great. 
love Palicos, no notes on Palicos. I, real talk, actually, so, like, divert into actual gameplay, um, it did feel really nice to, like, have a Palico that, like, the way they work in combat when you are fighting a big monster, or even, like, a relatively small monster, they will, like, throw rocks and shit also. They're, like, a, a little additional team member, but they do very, very little damage. Their main utility is to, like, sometimes help distract the monster, to, like, give you a breather to do something else. And, uh... Boy, would this be so much tougher without my Palico helping out from time to time. Yeah, and so um, if I recall correctly, they they don't help when you have, like, say you're in a party of four in-game. Um, I'm mm. pretty sure then your Palicos aren't there assisting. But when you're by yourself, it is very handy to have them, like, distracting and doing stuff. Yeah, it is critical, I would say, uh, based yeah. on some of the other gameplay stuff we'll get into. <laughs> um, but that's how this works. You you start on a ship. They're like, what is your name? And you create your character and you create your name. I didn't put a whole lot of thought into my character. Yeah. Um, I just sort of, like, rolled some default stuff. I put a lot of thought into my Palico. Um, but it's fine. I had a great Palico. My very next note is, oh my god, did my cat just die? As it, almost instantly after you create your Palico, they say meow do do and then your ship gets upended by a giant monster, and your cat <laughs> falls into, like, a fiery abyss. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I did, you cannot possibly just maybe name a cat to kill them in the opening cutscene. Um, my cat did not die, they were returned to me later. Um, it's really just sort of the forcing function of this game to, like, your your ship crashes, you sort of do the little tutorial as you learn how to move your character and make it to the big hub area where they explain the plot, question mark. So, when you teed this up, you mentioned it is not a story-heavy game. Uh, well, so I don't know if I... I said that the plot was technically there. Yes, uh, that is more referring to I think the fact that it's not necessarily a good plot uh, sure. or like the most exciting storytelling in the world, but it does have one. Uh, I'm not sure that that's true that it has one. Um, <laughs> there are no named characters that I found in my like ten or so hours of playing this game. Yeah. There are no main characters. Matthew Mercer voices a character in this game, one of the most important characters. The character he voices is named Field Team Leader. Yep. You've got characters, you know, memorable characters like Handler and Commander and F Fleet Master and Second Fleet Master and Third Fleet Master. And it, uh, it becomes very clear what this game is, which is an arcade game. I, you are playing an arcade game... Um, this very, very quickly became a podcast game for me. Or like oh, a yeah, turn definitely. music on. I, within, uh, within like the first, after like hour two or three, I just stopped listening to the music or audio at all and just was like, put headphones on and just, uh, just played the game like I was in an <laughs> arcade and skipped through cutscenes and skipped through talking because 
let's be honest. If the game creators were not willing to name any of their characters or the <laughs> setting in unnamed high fantasy setting, then why would I care about it? Like, if they don't care about it, why would I care? Hey, it has a name. It's the New World. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. One of the continents. The new continent that you're going to is the New World. Yeah, to add a tiny bit of uh, story flavor here, you mentioned at the top about, like, old world versus new world. So every other game up to this point, um, generally kind of the plot was that, like, you were a villager and there were monsters that were, like, had started becoming aggressive and attacking the village and you were sent to be the one to, like, take care of them and stuff. And this one is, uh, you know, you're part of the fifth fleet. There were four fleets sent before you, like, to set up the initial village and, like, start crafting and engineering stuff and all that. And so you're, like, like you said, essentially trying to colonize and get a foothold on this new world and trying to figure out why it's so against you doing that, oddly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, uh, it, I think... I I do think that the music generally in the game is pretty decent, but uh, podcast game definitely fair. Yeah, I found the music to be kind of forgettable. I have like no notes on the music. It didn't yeah. it didn't bother me. There but there are games where like the music will be really repetitive and like bug me, uh, mm-hmm. and it didn't. But I was just I also didn't listen to that much of it because I got to a <laughs> point where I was like, this is not yeah. what I'm here for. Pretty clearly, that's fair. Yep. Um. I do. I was still paying attention when they were explaining all of the like what you're doing, which is that you're here to like study these monsters. There's a large monster called Zora Magdaro. So there are various large monsters that have been like flying all over the world and collecting on the new world. And you're there to like figure out why. Mm-hmm. And so explain you are a researcher. Your job is to research monsters by killing them with bladed weapons Um <laughs> Or capturing them. You can capture them. Let me tell you, I did not figure out how to capture a monster in my playthrough. Yeah, that's but fair. I, am I aware, think I I'm captured aw- one for a I'm required aw- quest when I first played through, and then it was like, nah. Yeah, I am aware that it is theoretically, technically possible to capture <laughs> monsters. I saw little incentive to ever attempt to capture a monster. Yep. Um... Yeah, the world's pretty farcical. Like, there's no... There's talking cats that are servants for... Just happy to be servants. They're, like, elf people that are never explained. Like, it, it's, it is not... The world is based on aesthetics that the creators thought would be funny and or cool. And there's no meaningful world building of any kind that I could determine at any point in the first... 10 hours of this game which again is fine if it is an arcade game if i'm just like i'm here for flashing lights and to twirl around and kill some monsters and make some gear and that's about it yep and you know it doesn't really change a whole lot as you get later in i mean yeah they try to add to the story of like oh this is why all of them are coming back here and now go kill this other monster Mm -hmm. uh and you know it just kind of repeats in that cycle yeah the plus side of all of this is the gameplay generally i think was very good like uh, for the first large chunk of the game of playing through it, it does feel good the bot and it, like the monsters are very 
they're interesting. You can deal with them in different ways. Like you can be creative. You can knock things into the environment. You can, I think it's, it was really interesting the way that like, basically the way every story mission that I played at the, at the very least is some lead up, some sort of vaguely meaningless or generic cutscenes that lead into, you need to kill this big monster. And But it is Monster Hunter World, so like it is an open world, so you go find the monster in the world, and you try to kill them. And they behave like an animal might, mm-hmm. if, you were, if they were an animal who's also a boss in a video game, where once they get below a sort of certain level of health, they run away from you, and run to the next sort of arena, or run far enough away to wherever the game is coded, like, monster stops running once they get here, uh, and then you fight them again, and then they lose health and they run on. And as they move, uh, if they run into other big monsters that are roaming the world who were bosses in previous levels or in future levels and encounter them, the bosses might attack them or attack you or whatever. And so, like, it adds a certain layer of um, unpredictability, I'd say, to not just be, like, the same exact set piece over and over and over again yeah and i think um you know when you get into those later story missions a lot of times it ends up that you're ending up having to fight like multiple of them at once if like you know your mission is kill this one and that one and this other monster got in a fight and now you kind of have to either watch from the sidelines or join in and fight them both um most of the early monsters, that's generally kind of fine. Mm-hmm. There are some later monsters uh, that I assume you didn't encounter. There's one that I think is pronounced a basil goose uh, <laughs> that flies around and drops bombs all over the place. Sure. Uh, and I remember the first time that one started fighting a monster I was fighting, and I was like, this is insane, because it's just, like, carpet bombing everything. Interesting. Yeah, that is... I just looked up a picture of this, and let me tell you, I was imagining something very different when you said uh, <laughs> basil goose. I was imagining a sort of roast goose with basil on it. Um, <laughs> uh, this is a sort of egg-covered dragon. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I think it's it definitely adds something. Like, overall, the flow of this game reminded me a lot of... So Cody and I briefly played together, briefly like everyone else in the world played the Avengers game that came out Mm. um, where you are like, you play the Avengers and it's very similar. Like you've got this hub world and you go out on these missions and you've got story missions and you've got co-op missions and you can, etc. The difference is that is the same exact mission more or less over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I think the having the monsters roam the map and having the, that layer of like unpredictability in different ways that you can deal with monsters adds, I think enough to the variety that like I could see why this game has replay value or why like it continues to be enjoyable to go to basically the same locale and fight similar monsters over and over again. Yeah. Cause a lot of times, um, you know, once you get past a lot of the main story and start getting into like higher rank missions, um, You'll basically, at that point, a lot of the early monsters, like the Great Jagras and stuff that you fought right at the very beginning, are like a total cakewalk to fight with the gear that you have. Mm -hmm. But they have like 
high rank versions of them or like a mission will say like go fight both of these two monsters at the same time Mm -hmm. um and so you know you'll have learned how to fight one of them but now you have to fight two at once and know like both of their attack patterns and so that i think is where it has a lot of replay value is you know it's not just the same fight over and over again um and even if it is a similar fight, it may be in a different locale within, like, the ancient forest level or something that's different, that has, like, different elevation that you can fight from and different stuff like that. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, I do think... So I... Like I said, I think the, the, like, core gameplay that I had... So a huge piece of this game is, like, weapon choice. Mm-hmm. There are... 14 is that correct roughly 14 um 14 different weapons that all have weapon types to be clear that like all have their own style of play in terms of like how your character moves they've got their own move set they've got their own combos to think through um i went with the dual blades i think they're called anytime there's like an action adventure game like this i always gravitate to the like fast one i gravitate to the like quick jump in jump out style of of weapon so that's what i picked they're they're also simple it's very straightforward of like you twirl in you turn on demon time or whatever it's called there's some (laughs) like super damagey demon mode or something like that it's either demon mode or demon time. Um, I think demon mode, something. I think that's right. <laughs> I'm going to go with demon time because that seems fun. <laughs> um, and you just sort of like twirl in, do flips, atta- attack things. And like overall, that is that style of um, I, like the, just the way that the attacking in this game feels, I think was pretty good. Was like that. I picked the dual blades because it seemed like what I usually gravitate to. It didn't seem like it was going to take me forever to learn how to use them. Mm-hmm. And I never was like, I never got the impulse of like, I should switch to something else or something else is going to be, be better. Yeah. And so when I, when I just replayed it, um, I had never really tr- done the uh, great sword much before. So I went with that, which is polar opposite. Yeah. Where like y- you basically have like, three or four different attacks you can do um but they're all like big charged attacks so like you pull your sword back and hold it for like three or four seconds and then swing it and then charge up your next swing um and so it's a lot slower paced and a lot more like strategic like okay that enemy just did this attack so now he should stand still for enough time for me to get one maybe two swings in mm-hmm. um which is yeah very different play style and makes the game feel completely different from like doing the dual blades or something like that yeah i will say this game fe- feels slow to me as somebody who doesn't play like a lot of a ton of these type i mean i play a decent amount one of my favorite games of all time was uh near automata i love breath of the wild these are all adventure games that are similar sort of like combo open world attacky mm-hmm. games um there's lots of like downtime in fight like it really anytime you get hit 
you stay down for a decent chunk of time as you like yep. pick yourself back up. Uh, there are big periods where you need to like, if you need to heal, this is not like a click an item and you like blah heal. You need to like run away from the monster or hide in some way, step off to the side, drink a potion, which takes between one and five seconds and then start attacking again. Um, that I did not love so much. That felt like it broke again. I like the fast, quick. I want to flip. I want to. I want to have like the Hades gameplay of like <laughs> we go the whole time and either I'm dead or you're dead. Uh, the that sort of like slow and steady and like methodical wins the race is like a level of patience uh, that my ADHD brain <laughs> struggled to comprehend. Uh, not struggled to comprehend, but, like, struggled to uh, cope with. I, I was yeah. too impatient to, like, deal with that level of, of combat flow. And I do I do think that's something that is alleviated a bit in co-op play. Like, when you've sure, got three yeah. other people who can, you know, 75% of the time generally be distracting the monster, that gives you more openings to, like, drink a potion or sharpen your weapon or stuff like that. Um but yes, all of those actions are very, um, you know, they take a while, especially like sharpening your weapon if it gets Ugh. too dull and starts bouncing off the creature. My weapon. Yes. Um, and so, you know, they can be very punishing if you choose the wrong time to do it. Um, or like if you got hit by an attack that knocks you down, very punishing. Um, but I... That's one of the reasons I liked this game is because it um, it forces you to be more strategic in your decision making. It's not as like hack and slashy. It's like, okay, do I have enough time to get away for three seconds so I can drink a potion before I go jump back in? Or do I need to like try to dodge a couple attacks first? Um different stuff like that, like having to think of that kind of stuff on the fly is the kind of things that I like about these games. Yeah. I think I probably would have enjoyed that more with a different weapon. Now that you're like actually talking about it, I think there's a certain, like it felt so. So I also went into like, at least in the early game, just looking at the stats, there's a whole crafting system, which I'll talk about a little bit, but like, the best dual blade that I could get at the place in the game that I was at were these, like, bone dual blades mm -hmm. that needed to be resharpened all the time. <laughs> yeah, like, bone ones God. Uh, are very dull, generally. Oh, and I was like, so there's a certain level of, like, if I get hit and I need to run off and drink a potion or, like, regroup or distract it and then get a potion or something or hide or whatever, that I'm sort of okay with but i'm like god i get like one good combo <laughs> in i like knock it on his back hit one good combo and now i need to like run away and resharpen my weapon for like eight seconds <laughs> and i'm like oh like i i want to i would need i want the hades i like the hades like i can have strategy and do things but like i that uh pace felt very uh plotty to me from just a, yeah. a gameplay perspective well and i feel like too um that that can you know the mismatch between like the dual blades combat versus the downtime yeah can create like a big disparity whereas like if i have the great sword i'm already yeah. playing slow so running away for a, a couple seconds to drink a potion 
doesn't feel as like out of place as it would with like a fast weapon. Yeah, exactly. And I'm I'm like and if there was something that was a little more like if I had and maybe there is a way to do this that I just couldn't figure out because I didn't figure out hardly any of the systems in this game. We can talk about <laughs> that shortly. But the uh-huh. if there's a way to like command your palico more to like distract when you really want to or to like sometimes my palico would heal me. Oh my gosh, there was a time I was fighting so I, I got through these bosses. I died to a couple bosses occasionally, but I got through them without a ton of trouble until mm. the Anjanath at the end. Yep. And I died to the Anjanath so many times. Yeah. Um, it, but there were so many times that I would, like, run off to the side, distract it, use my little, like, camouflage cloak or whatever, run away, drink a potion, and as I finished my potion, my stupid cat would come over and be like, here, have this little bulb to heal you. And then, so, like, they can, like, pop you with a heal that will heal you, like, 60% of your health. And I just used a mega potion to heal me basically back up to full. It was like, here, use this bulb and heal me. And I'm like, I could have used that 60% of my health ago. Like, if there's a better way to, like, work with them or some, or if that AI was just, like, smarter and would, like, like know to distract faster. that. Yes, faster, like, as once you once it hits you, the palco would be like, hey, I've got this, like, heal yourself. Like, if there's a certain level of, like, predictability there. Like, I think if you make this game today, I would expect it to be that smart. Uh, as opposed to, like, a game from, when was this, 2019 or 2018 or something like that? I think, if I recall correctly, that as... So, you gain... You don't gain levels. You improve yourself by, like, making better armor and weapons. Mm -hmm. Your Palico gains experience and levels. And I think at a high enough level, they gain the ability for you to be able to, like, signal them to do different things. Mm. Well, that would have been awesome, because my Palico <laughs> was very helpful, but uh, I will say could have been, we could have been more coordinated. We could have been a better team uh, from time to time. Um, but overall, uh, overall, I mean, I still love my Palico. I can't complain about that too much. Because, yeah, they'll do, they'll do good stuff for you. Like, if you get stunned by a monster, like, they'll come over and, like, b- b- hit you to knock you out of it. Uh, yeah. But it sometimes takes a little while for them to actually do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think one of the things I struggled with in, with the Anjanath specifically, is not necessarily that it's difficult. Like, I expected it to be difficult. I expected to die. Like, this style of game... This sort of like vaguely Dark Soulsy kaiju fighty action adventure game. I'm expecting to die to the tough bosses. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that was frustrating to me about the Anjanath specifically, and the Anjanath is like a big sort like sort of slightly more bird esque T Rex mm-hmm. style dinosaur dragon creature. Um, it basically looks like a, a T-Rex with, like, wings, more or less. And breathes fire. Yes, it, is, it does breathe fire, as all T-Rexes do. Um, <laughs> and uh, the thing that I struggled with is I consistently felt like I kept getting hit by a stupid tail or some ability of some kind. 
uh, and I would get knocked to the ground, and it would take my character like five seconds to like pull themselves to their feet. And by the time I was back up, I was like getting hit again at, at least yeah. like five times. I like wiped, not like got fainted, but like fully fainted too many times and needed to like restart the mission. When I I would get hit by like one thing and then I was just like done. I would I kept trying to stand up and by the time I was up, unless I like don't know how to stand up in this game, I was like by the time I'm up, I'm back down. Like I can't <laughs> I can't do anything. Like I can't escape. And every time you die, you need to like run back from the spawn point to the boss. And I'm like, oh uh. my god! After a certain number of times, the amount of times I like rage quit the stupid Anjanath to like because I could not mentally handle running back <laughs> to the boss area one more time was very very high i'm like just stand up just i'm okay with the difficulty but let me let me get hit let me feel like i earned dying not like i got hit <laughs> once and then i just like couldn't stand up again let me get hit at least like three times in a row because i fucked up you know what i mean yeah did you ever try the like sos flare didn't know how to use it no no okay. idea uh yeah, I don't remember if they tell you. I think you have to like go. I definitely the start got like or alerts that were like your SOS flare is available, and I was like, I don't know yeah. what that means. Yeah, so um, the one of the things I liked about this game mm -hmm. um, is that the online play is really seamless. Generally, yeah. Um, like if you want to challenge yourself going solo with just your palico, that's great. You can do that. If you're having a hard time on a mission. They have um, something called an SOS flare, where like at any point during your mission, you can send an SOS, and other players will see that an SOS was sent out, and they can go to the mission chart and like find your mission and join you to come help you with your mission. Um, usually, I think gets them like some extra rewards and stuff too if they come help you. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how that works now because when I first played this game, it was when it launched. And yeah. so there were a bunch of people doing all of these like lower level slash difficulty missions. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, you know, there's a full expansion that's way more difficult that I don't know how willing people are to come help with, like, the Anjanath mission that <laughs> at their gear level would take them, like, a couple minutes. Yeah. Um, because that's one thing about this game. Like, the monster's level, like, power level doesn't increase mm -hmm. as you get stronger. So, like, you finish the main story and come back and fight an Anjanath, and it is like, why did you ever have problems with this? Yeah, and I, I like that a lot. Like, the first thing that you fight is, like, a great... I'm forgetting the name. It's, like, a big lizard. The great Jagras or whatever. Yes, yeah. the great Jagras. And, like, I fought that again eight levels later and just, like, killed it accidentally while I was fighting the monster that it was trying to eat. Uh, or, like, like, the Anjanath that you fight when you find it is, like, killing and eating one of them. Right, Yeah. And so, like, uh, I do I do like that a lot. I do wish I had done that. Because it reminds me of how people talk about Souls games. Of, like, yes, you can do a full solo run. But, like, the, these, these bosses are actually designed for players to help each other in different 
ways. Like, again, the, the thing that streamers will show you is doing it by yourself, but they are, like, built and balanced around knowing that you can call for aid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I very much suspect that this is the same way, and I wish I had done that, but the truth is, like, until you just mentioned that, I didn't even think of it because I was trying to remember so many other things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that is the other real difficult... Beyond just sort of, like, I, f- I wish the combat was, like, felt faster. I wish I got up faster. I wish, like, if you must make me resharpen my weapon, I wish I could, like, do that a little faster. Um, I... I wish there was some sort of animation canceling also. Like, I I understand to a certain extent the point is that you, like, commit to an attack and then you're, like, stuck in it. Um, Yeah. But there were some, like, animations where I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm, like, facing the wrong way and I can't get faced around. I'm an idiot and just also, like, kept... I kept thinking, like, I could shift to sprint while fighting Mm. and that, like, puts your weapons away. Yep. And I kept, like, (laughs) shift and then, like, face running with sheathed weapons into the face of these monsters. That's, that's like, me being an idiot problem, not a game problem. Um, uh, I figured that out eventually. I stopped having issues with that. The, The real difficulty I had was the sheer number of systems in this game. Yeah. So let me just list some of the things that you can do and pay attention to. So... I already talked about weapons. You've got 14 different weapons, all with unique combos and movesets. You can just pick one and stick with it, which it seems like most people do. Um, Yeah, pretty common. Yeah, so I just picked the dual blades. Within each of the dual blades, there's crafting, so you can upgrade your weapons. There are different dual blades that you can make and upgrade, and then different, like, talent trees both for the dual blade as a whole and for each individual type of weapon within the dual blade. Um, You can switch between different dual blades, for example, with different weapon types. There are, I think, six or seven different, like, elemental types within the game, and different Mm -hmm. weapons or items will do different types of damage or be weak to different types of damage. Uh... Armor works the same way. Every single monster that you kill and loot, you can like build a set of armor based on their hide that will give you various bonuses or penalties to different elemental types of weapon, which uh, in theory incentivizes you to like build a bunch of different suits of armor and then use different ones depending on what you're trying to fight. Uh, There are also consumables that you can craft of all different kinds, of different potions. There's poison effects, paralysis effects, different, like, little consumable deals that you can craft through different ways of different things that you loot off of monsters or in the world of looting little bugs or plants. Or you can mine things to build various consumables, etc. There are also rechargeable custom items that you can, like do little quests to build, like the camouflage cloak that I mentioned before. Uh, There's food that you can make that all have different... There's like five different types of food that all require different ingredients that you can collect and you can eat food before the mission, depending on what specific stat... You're like, I want to be more defensive this time, or I want more stamina to like sprint further. You like prep via food. There's a whole research deal. Like, as mentioned, you kill monsters and thereby learn how they breed i don't know um and you learn (laughs) facts about them and you can research and it changes how you hunt in the future there's a gardening system where you plant uh 
different things and get them back. Within each of the individual weapons, you also have a ranged attack that have many. I think I had uncovered like six different types of ammo of different explosive shots or distracting shots or etc. that you can also use in conjunction no matter what weapon you're using. You can also do these little ranged attacks. Uh, there's four different types of quests that you can do. Collection quests, story quests, fetch quests, management quests. Uh, as you mentioned, you also have a palico. It levels up. It also has its own armor that you can collect. There's a whole monster trapping thing that I didn't even engage with in any way. Um, there's seasonal events that happen all the time. So it's getting a bunch of pings about various different seasonal events. Um, it's a lot. There's like a lot, a lot of... And so here's the thing. I am someone who plays football manager. So I'm not afraid of like deeply <laughs> uh, arcane and intricate systems. Yeah. As a concept. I do think like... Because I don't care about the world. Like, if I'm playing football manager, I am, I've am i built this sort of narrative around my players. And so, like, seeing this kid from my academy gain various different stats and seeing, like, ooh, he's gained a new... He's gone up in leadership. And, like, that's, inter that's interesting to me. Or, like, seeing that these different players are developing a relationship on the pitch so I can do this, or they're learning this specific tactic and this specific role. And I'm like, ooh, I could, I can do... I like soccer, is what I'm saying. <laughs> like, there's a certain... <laughs> I am, like, bought in on the construct, but this world I don't care about, and so the, like, research and stuff like that, I don't... I'm, the whole time I basically was just like, let me shut my brain off and just like get back into the action. Like yeah. I, I, if there was a version of this game where I could just like auto all of this and like auto all my crafting, just feed me whatever you want, upgrade my weapons as it makes sense, equip the armor that makes sense for the boss, and I don't have to engage with any of this, I would much prefer that version of this game. Yeah, I feel like all of those systems, um, because they're so kind of unimportant early on besides yeah. like weapon and armor crafting. They feel like things that should have been drip fed over a longer amount of time in the story. So like, you know, give me one system at a time and then let me do like a few missions and then give me another system. Mm -hmm. um, whereas this is like, Hey, good job. You did, uh, you did your first mission. Go explore the whole hub and figure out all of these different systems and learn <laughs> a little bit about each of them. And it's like, this is l way too much, especially for something, most things that, like, don't really matter, even through, like, most of the main story. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, once you get to fighting really difficult monsters, you're going to want to make sure you have armor that resists their element and weapons that are effective against them. And like, if they're a boss that uses poison attacks that you have antidotes and stuff, like that's all stuff that you want to have kind of planned out when it's late game. But when it's the early game, you know, you're generally kind of going to be fine with whatever the best armor you can currently craft is and weapons. And you just kind of go at it. Yeah, so like I, the fact I that think, they try to throw all those systems at you right off the bat, without a whole lot of like 
good tutorials for each one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really is a lot to throw at a new player all of a sudden. Well, and I think like again, Football Manager does the exact same thing, right? Of like you boot up a Football Manager save, and it its version of a tutorial <laughs> is very very similar to Monster Hunter's tutorial, which is like check out these eight screens that all have information for you. Uh, here's here's a one-minute tutorial on each of these screens that is just full of information. Good luck, and now you go. And you just, <laughs> like... The difference is with Football Manager, uh, you can ignore 90% of it. Like, the way I learned Football Manager was just by being like, most of this is probably fine, and I don't need to pay attention to it. And then... Yeah. One thing would become a problem at a time, but becoming a problem also just means like my team's not doing quite as well, but the game continues. I think the core problem with Monster Hunter World is I ignored all of these systems, basically. I was just like, I am overwhelmed. I'm going to pick the dual blades and just slash my way to success um, Mm -hmm. until I hit the Anjadath, and that no longer was good enough. And I was like, now I need to like... Learn how to hide. I knew I'd do a tutorial at one point of how I could hide in bushes, but yeah, I haven't done it since the tutorial, so I'll have to remember that. Or, like, similar with the shooting, the... I still don't know how to change the ammo on my ranged weapon to, like, use any of the explosive, etc. I, like, played around with the option menu. I mean, I should have just looked at the controls, but I was just like, if I don't know how to do it, then I give up. I'm just gonna slashy slash. <laughs> um, so I think it... Yeah, it was a lot. And I understand to a certain extent the point of this game is, like, replay value. And it doesn't have replay value if it's truly just, like, you get weapon. you Then it's then it's quite literally like an arcade game. Yeah. Uh, the RPG-ness of it all, I get how and why this becomes enjoyable. But to the point that I was at, and for, like, who I am, I was just like, I don't. I wish I could, like, turn a difficulty option on that is just like none of this matters the types don't matter the consumables are all i get one heal consumable that heals me and cures me of this stuff even if it yeah, means like a I have pokemon less full heal or something exactly even if i can only hold f- if seven of them instead of the 10 heals plus five mega heals i get or whatever then that's i just like needed simplicity because what would happen is there's so much i just wouldn't remember any of it and then i would get killed and i was like oh well i could have hid i could have healed i could have x y and z but i'm like there's so much stuff i just like cannot keep any of it in my brain yeah and when you get a little bit later into the game and you get like some better armor and stuff it it makes some of that a little bit more forgiving yeah but yeah it's it can be a lot i think you know i think that's part of the reason why like for me i had tried other monster hunter games before this one and kind of like bounced off of them for like similar reasons or like that the tracking in those games wasn't as good as it felt in this game like tracking the monsters down yeah um and that i just kind of gave up on them but then i went into this game kind of generally already knowing like some of the basic like crafting systems and stuff like that and so those weren't things that I also had to learn. Whereas, like, jumping in, having never played one, you have to learn everything. Yeah. Um, so I can understand how that can make it feel more overwhelming, too. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, that this is not 
the first game that this presumably, I mean, again, similar to football manager of like most people playing football manager are not new to most of the concepts in football manager. Whereas like you definitely would be, or I was brand new to all of these. I mean, I understand what cooking is as a concept, but like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I understand what crafting is. It was enough that, like, I, you know, I saw the Jagannath breathing fire, or not the Jagannath, the Anjanath, um, breathing fire, and was like, well, I should create fire-resistant armor, and I'll go to this thing and dig through the armor things to figure out what I need to craft, and then I could go farm the creatures whose bones I needed to make fire-resistant armor and go back and craft it. And, and, and like, I... Yeah, it it just became a, a lot of like management stuff uh, that I I was less enthused about. I think those are my big thoughts, though. Again, I think in general, like set pieces are were good, and the way they managed to do set pieces while making it feel organic and part of the world. Like I said, like if you look for it, you can see the thread each monster has little nests they run back Mm -hmm. to to set up different types of set pieces with different types of like variations and they kind of they vary you know it's like an an ai that's that's managing them through these different scripts so you can you can see the the matrix behind the monsters if you look (laughs) for it um but i think it did a good job like again feeling organic and feeling natural generally as you played through yeah, the the other things I'd mention are, you know, in addition to the like a main monster being like that, it's also like all the other stuff in each of the different environments also brings it all kind of to life. So like in the um in the previous games when you're in what I guess would is probably considered basically the old world, you know, that's all places that were inhabited. So there's going to be places that you're fighting monsters that are a little bit more like well-trod lands and like places with some ruins and things like that. Whereas this, the whole conceit being that it's uninhabited new world. Um, I feel like they do a really good job, especially in that like first open, like the ancient forest area um, of making it feel that way, that it's very, um, you know, kind of untouched, there's in addition to the big monster like little packs of roaming monsters of varying sizes and stuff and mm-hmm. um it just the whole and like all the vegetation you know you were talking about collecting um like plants and mining and stuff like that's just all vegetation kind of like baked into the world and it just all kind of makes the world you're in feel a little bit more alive and i think that's all really well done um the environments felt way better in this game than they had in any previous Monster Mm -hmm. Hunter. Um, And I think the other thing for me is, you know, I'm pretty easy to please, and so, like, a game that gives me the power fantasy of, like, go kill big monster, here's a big weapon. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, like, to have that and have the combat feel good while doing it... um, it just all all works for me. <laughs> and I will say, like, that part also worked for me. Feels good to kill big monster. Like, and, I, I, like, yeah. this is the kind of thing that, like, I think it is much better for there being no story. Because if you think yeah. about it at all, 
it starts to not feel so good about like <laughs> just storming into this island and killing these monsters for no reason. But if you just shut your brain off and look at the big, the monsters are cool. The fights are good. I felt like the underwater monster that like is swimming around you as you sort of walk on islands and like uh-huh. there's 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 good uh, that like power fantasy part and it's not exactly power fantasy but that that like sense of accomplishment it's like, i mean it's like a dark souls boss it's a very yeah. very similar vibe and i think if you uh i think it does that stuff pretty well cool well i think that's all i had to then so uh last thing on the list then tim if you were to give monster hunter world a yaw or a nah what would you give it yeah so when I, when you pitched this to me i told cozy uh, I very strongly suspect that I'm either going to hate this and really struggle to get through it like a platformer, <laughs> or I'm going to like get addicted and keep playing this and get addicted to sort of the the inertia of going on missions and upgrading my gear and et cetera. Because that kind of thing really works on me. Anytime yeah. I can like do a thing get points upgrade gear it's the like mmo player in me mm-hmm. uh works and neither of those i was wrong uh, <laughs> i wound up pretty in the middle like i said i think the the base fan the aesthetics of the game are good like i said at the beginning the it is a game built on aesthetics not based on real world building um and so as a result the aesthetics are pretty good the lack of world building doesn't really bother me because it's so not there that I, I, I truly I can't stress how much no one has a name in this game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no one has names. It's just faceless mannequins to get you your stuff until you go out and fight the monsters again. Um, and that stuff didn't bother me in like the base gameplay uh, aesthetics and, and loop i i really liked the real thing i chafed against more than anything else was the like style of combat that like slow uh very like methodical very planful style is just like not how i and there's a reason i went for the dual blades i'm looking for yeah. the like spinny fast like i kill you fast you kill me fast and there's nothing fast in this game it's very very methodical and very planful so at the end of the day i'm a gnaw in this game it's just not it's just not like the the combat style that is enough to overcome the the lack of you know i gotta be here for one of the two things and i'm almost there for the combat but it just feels i'm so tired of like getting knocked down by the (laughs) anjanath and then getting knocked down the second i get back up before i can truly as i mash the dodge button uh, so a, a no at the end of the day for me. Fair enough. I would be curious if at some point down the line here, I get you into a co-op session with me and we try fighting a monster in like online and see if that changes your opinion at all. I'd be down. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm try that at some point. I strongly suspect that I would enjoy that more like because there is a like i said there's a certain level of like the difficulty that i did enjoy in this game like the needing to learn the fights to a certain extent needing to you know there's like a lightning one that like jumps around really fast and like learning its abilities and learning how to dodge both its attack and then the lightning afterwards and like 
I I did enjoy the core loop. It's just that piece of like me. I just I just have this vision of my character like on her knees, pushing herself back up as the Anjanath stands above me, waiting to attack <laughs> as my animation is finishing. That uh, I'm just like fuck this game. I can't. But if there's somebody else beating on its tail while that was happening, so I have a second to laboriously pull myself to my feet <laughs> like a 70 year old hip replacement patient yeah. i i suspect uh i suspect i'd enjoy it more and that's part of the reason i said to get to the anjanath because i knew that that is like a huge jump in a real yeah. big jump yeah and it's like this there are boss like enemies like this that pop up throughout the game where there is like a sudden spike especially once you get close to the end of the game mm-hmm. um there is one uh, I don't know, the Nergigante or something like yeah, that. I've heard of the Nergigante. It. It's like super spiky and everything, and it is a huge spike in difficulty um, that I very clearly remember from when I played this the first time. Um, I've never played this, and I like know of the Nergigante. I, like, <laughs> I have heard through inertia like a tale of the Nergigante. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, maybe, uh, you know, when I I had pitched this as part of a pick-your-poison duo, I think (laughs) expecting potentially a gnaw on either one of the potential pitches. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think we are closer to a yaw than I was expecting, which I will take. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I didn't didn't hate it. It it wasn't... uh, The core piece was not crazy painful. Just, Just, yeah, not for me. Fair enough. And with that, it's time for our middle segment. So, Cozy, I'm going to pass it over to you. What do you got for us this episode? All right. Um. So, I have... Uh, I don't really have a title for this segment. Um, I just have some thoughts about a thing. So, I will just kind of dive right into it. So I mean, Thoughts About a Thing is a pretty good name. So thoughts About bad. a Thing. Could, be, uh, could just be the name of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> True, true. Um, okay, so as you guys both know, I love podcasts generally. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, the favorite thing, my favorite thing that can happen to me is that someone has never listened to a podcast and wants to get into podcasting and wants my recommendations for where to start. This has not happened to me very often, but like two times in my life, a friend has been like, I want to get into podcasts. I've never listened to them. Uh, Cozy, you listen to a lot of podcasts. What do you, what should, where should I start? Uh, so I just thought I I think my recommendations have like changed over the years of what I would recommend to people, but I just like have a strategy for how I think people should start listening to podcasts, and uh, I just wanted to share with you guys and see if you had thoughts or recommendations on like where you if you had somebody who wanted to listen to podcasts where you would like tell them to start. Fair enough. Yeah, I kind of I kind of figured if you're anything like me, you know, this situation has maybe only come up once or twice, but you've definitely thought about it a lot more than once or twice. Like if someone comes up to me with this, right, here's what I would give them. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. So for this hypothetical thing, that's probably never going to happen to me again. I am very prepared. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so I feel like the way to start listening to podcasts, I feel like first is to kind of like gauge if there's something they're like particularly interested in. Because if you like love history or you love like a very specific hobby, um, like I would just t- t- find a good podcast in that genre and like 
have you listen to that, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're really into uh, people talking about media. There's this one called Hard Sell. Uh, <laughs> that was a joke, obviously. But this is like, just always Hard Sell. It's always Hard Sell. Yeah, just that one. You're um, really into cooking? Hard Sell. <laughs> <laughs> right, but like, or if you're really into like, history i mean it depends like what level you want um but like you know hardcore history is a good one or there's like more kind of uh less deep dives on history if you want like just specific things like um slow burn is pretty good like more political themed history etc so i mean like i feel like if you if there's something you're like super passionate about that makes it really easy to just like pick a lane and kind of like pick a really good podcast in that area and like have them listen to it and maybe they'll be into podcasts uh but the I think if like you don't really know you just want to see kind of what's out there I feel like there's like five there's four and a half genres I've identified (laughs) that I feel like you maybe need to try and then you can kind of like based on how you like some of these podcasts I can like gauge where to like direct you to after this is the half genre hard sell no. Oh, okay. Wow. Is, this is a whole guided tour. This of... is a guided tour of podcasting, Great. yes. Which is what I should have named the segment, but I didn't think of it till four minutes into the segment, so. Great. Okay, so I think the first category is true crime because that's a lot of mm. what the podcasting space is and a lot there's just a lot out there. So I feel like you have to try a true crime podcast. Yeah, I, that's fair think i would have i used to recommend serial season one to people because it's just a classic so many people listen to it but i feel like in the year 2023 i'm maybe not recommending serial season one anymore um i think i would recommend in the dark which was a true crime podcast from um it was it i think npr or like a something someone owned by npr minnesota public radio um and the first case they did was the um jacob wetterling case and they did a, just a really good job covering it it's a very good true crime podcast very well regarded won some awards i believe um so i feel like that's where i would start you and then again if you like that there's lots of other good like acclaimed well like good journalism true crime podcast i would kind of like steer you toward um my I know a lot of people like uh, the more like crime of the week style podcast. Those are not my favorite. And I feel like not where I would maybe like start somebody. But if they like are really into true crime, I'm sure they'll find those, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels like true crime is what podcasts exploded as. Podcasts yeah. like became yeah. a thing on the back of true crime podcasts. Yeah. Right. So I feel like you have to like you have to try one at least and see if it's for you or not. And then if not, like there's many other places you can enjoy podcasting, many other genres. Who is trying to get into podcasts today and has never listened to a true crime podcast? People. Hypothetical okay. people. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> okay, I think the next category you kind of need to try is the like slice of life podcast. Um, so this is just like kind of like this is your classic This American Life, and I think I do recommend, like, I would probably pick a couple good episodes of This American Life. I personally like This American Life, so I think a lot there's a lot of good episodes out there, but I feel like you just need to, like, have that kind of, like, storytelling, human-centered podcast, because I think there's a lot of good ones out there if you're interested in that. Um, 
so my favorite ones I would probably recommend to people are This American Life, maybe just a handful of episodes, um, The Moth, which is people telling their own stories, uh, kind of similar, just like unique, fun, interesting stories. It's almost like a TED Talk, but it's not like trying to teach you something. It's just like a story from their life. Uh, and then Ear Hustle, which is the um, my personal favorite podcast, uh, which is just a it's a guy who was in prison he and when he started the podcast he was in prison and it just was like is the prison that is produced out of uh san quentin state prison um it's really good podcast and just sort of about like what it's like to be in prison they just do a lot of topics and ask questions and talk to the inmates and stuff and it's produced by the um people in the prison with the help of like a art group outside that kind of comes in to help them yeah i think that's i think that's I mean, I've not listened to any of these. I'm not a big slice of life podcast guy, uh, but I do. Uh, I do think it's definitely a genre. If somebody has never listened to podcasts, that you've got to at least try. Yeah. Okay, I think the next genre is like the learn something podcasts, where they it's more um, like it's focused on like teaching you about a topic or whatever. Uh, so my examples of these are you're wrong about i don't know have you do you guys know that podcast no Mm -mm. never heard no okay it's like they take things that are like commonly you think you know and then like explain why you don't actually know about this thing like they've done they do a lot of like pop culture things like the oj simpson trial or um it's not always like pop culture though or not pop it's not always like crime like trial things except that's literally the only examples i can think of right now (laughs) um because i was like it's the oj trial the amanda knox story uh they've done a bunch of them like that where it's like a thing you think you know about or everyone thinks they understand and then like why you're wrong about it interesting okay but it's like pretty well researched and it's just kind of like they do a variety of topics and i think a lot of these like kind of teachy ones have like more variety of different things so like you can kind of find episodes that might be interesting to you even if you don't want to like listen to the whole back catalog because I think too if you're just starting to get into podcasts facing things like uh I don't know my brother and my brother and me which has I don't know what 8,000 episodes at this point probably uh and you're trying to like listen to or that's not a good example there's pro- podcasts where you probably need to listen to quite a few of them to like be caught up and you're never going to do that. And like, that's too intimidating. So like a podcast where you could just start, listen to one episode, not need any context really. And like, go like, that feels like the right thing for someone who's just getting into it. I feel yeah, like, like good there's, there's like kind of story based ones that, you know, if you like jumped in, in the middle, it's not going to make a ton of sense. Right. I feel like a good one for this. That is like both, something you could just jump into and teach you something was Malcolm Gladwell's revisionist history podcast. Yeah. Um, that podcast became garbage. Yeah. It's terrible now. That used but the, to like, be first like the two one I recommend. or three seasons of it are great. Mm-hmm. Are, and like, again, Malcolm Gladwell, I don't love, but I do think his the first three seasons, at least the first two and a half seasons of revisionist history are like really, really, really good. Yeah, yeah. They're definitely super interesting and like uh the topics are really good and they're very well produced uh podcasts. 
I, I they're think all that they're all like here's a thing that you thought you knew about that we're gonna like dive super deep into and explore right. these other things which is kind of what malcolm gladwell does with everything the, with everything and he's often over i would say draws conclusions <laughs> that are not you know the sort of like draws causation from correlation um but when he's super laser focused on like an individual story, it's much more palatable than making like broad sweeping statements about society based on some individual thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, my other examples for this were ninety nine percent invisible, which is a pretty popular one about focused on like design topics. Um, it's just kind of deep dives into different like why are cities the way they are, different like topics related to design. Um, and then the other one I had pulled was invisibilia which i don't know if it's still running but it was like an npr podcast that was um focused on like psychology topics so it was like how does the brain work and like how do why do we think the way we think and different things like that but it was like really they always picked really like interesting topics to me and i always learned something from that show and i thought it was a really like good well-produced show um, I also like having like an NPR podcast, I feel like, in the list because I think NPR just does really good podcasts, um, and, but I feel like all of them have been going for so long that if people are interested in podcasts, they like Invisibilia, like they might like some of the other NPR stuff that's out there. Uh, Invisibilia is not still going, for the record. Um, yeah. However, I agree. Like you have to have at least one NPR podcast of some kind because it's so iconic yeah it's like a true crime podcast of like you've got to have one of them right well npr podcast like npr is this american life npr like there's a npr style of podcast radio oh yeah okay you're right um there's a style of podcast that i think npr really popularized that is like really still common in podcasting today so i feel like that's part of why you like need it in the group okay so that was the learn something genre and then i think my next genre you should try is comedy um comedy is pretty subjective so i feel like mm. again if i would always like if people have like a comedian or something they re- they like you know recommend just finding their podcast because they probably have one um yep. or finding podcasts they've been on and starting there and just kind of like looking at that as a way into comedy podcasts but I think if you just like aren't don't really know where to start my personal like recommendations for people would be dead eyes um which we've talked about on the this podcast and I feel like it's pretty approachable it's not very like it's not personality driven in the way that you have to know the personalities before um like listening to the podcast like you can just kind of like it has like a kind of goofy premise of trying to figure out why this guy would, got cut from a Tom Hanks movie for having quote dead eyes, uh, and it's I I think it's good. I would say like you kind of have to you I agree, but you do have to like listen to the true crime podcast first because especially so much of debt the first season of Dead Eyes is like a parody of. <laughs> like it's yeah. pulling it pulls some of the same like stingers f- from serial sure. uh, it, it, it like it it's the it's whole take is like we're investigating this murder of my career uh, yeah by tom <laughs> hanks true um, i guess uh so i do think you kind of have to know some of those touchdowns to get all the humor but i agree it is a it's a very approachable one uh-huh um and then my other recommendation was conan o'brien needs a friend 
Yeah. Good call. Um, which I haven't listened to in forever, but I listened to the first good, like, 20, 30 episodes of that, and it was just, like, consistently funny. It's an interview show, but it's, um, like, I just like Conan O'Brien's, like, style of humor, and I just think it's very... Um, of the, like, I feel like sometimes the interview shows can get kind of, like, dry even when they have, like, funny people on them just because, like, but I think Conan keeps everything so, like, random It and his um his assistant, oh, whose name I'm forgetting now. Sona, I Sona, believe. yeah, is really funny. Uh, like, his producer, Matt Gorley, is also really funny. Like, them as a trio just have good, like, chemistry together. Uh, and... Again, like, I think some of my other comedy podcasts I personally like might be too obscure to just, like, recommend to people um, and have them they're actually specific, enjoy it. Yeah, like. they're just, I like, I feel like really Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is so broad, like... Yeah, and there's lots of, like, celebrities he interviews, so, like, you can kind of, like, find an in to that podcast, whether you like Conan or not, also. Um, so yeah, so those are my two for like the comedy genre. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so the final sort of half genre is fiction. Um, because I think not everyone is interested in listening to like audio fiction. Um, so if you like, I feel like it's kind of the thing I would like, if you're interested in trying audio fiction, like here's where I would start, but like, I wouldn't feel like you need to do it to like get into podcasts. Hmm. Fair. Yeah. Yeah, because I've listened to, like, a couple fiction podcasts, and, um, you know, I, for me, they were not, definitely not, like, the first podcast I listened to, and if they were, who knows if I would have, like, <laughs> gotten into the habit of listening to podcasts on them. Right. And, like, again, I don't, I feel like all of these genres, it's, like, not all of them are going to hit for everyone, but I feel like they kind of cover, yeah. like, the big, I like, big um through lines i see in podcasting and if i can like if you can tell me which of these podcasts like hit for you i can get you to your next 17 podcasts like that's yeah. all i need to get you on the journey uh toward loving podcasts as much as i do or at least well probably not quite as much uh at least uh close so i think in my in the fiction genre though what i recommend is in strange woods which i just think is like an all-time good podcast it's short it's a musical um, it's appeared on this podcast. Reviewed it on this podcast. You can listen and then go listen to our episode about it. Um, and so that one is my first one. And then the other one is The Bright Sessions, which they're both like written by the same person, which who I just like. But I think The Bright Sessions is like, it's a story about like a, a person who is a therapist for people with superpowers. Uh, or basically like they're X-Men. Like they live in like, our real world but they have superpowers so they're called like mm. atypicals so it's like the kind of like mutants from x-men um and so like and it's that one's a little longer so again it's kind of like you have to be committed to like wanting to be interested in that uh genre but if you are into like fiction stories it could be like a really I think that one's a really good first fiction podcast because it's just like really well written and it's um it has funny moments and it has serious moments and it's like uh one of my favorite ones nice I feel like actual plays falls in that category also depending on the person right yeah if they're into um D&D or other TTRPGs you could definitely recommend like I don't even know which one I would recommend, though. 
there's I, like I, a whole wide range of like you know do you want like the more serious kind of one do you want like super goofy friends just like playing around with like a dungeons and daddies or something like that yeah but i feel like if i i have a hard time because i feel like i it's just podcast i feel like it's not another D podcast because mm. i feel like that's just the one that kind of hits a good tone of like they take it seriously but it's also funny because it's comedians doing yeah. it but i i feel like dimension 20 is what i would recommend if you're just trying to get into actual plays but i feel like you need the video for that one so that doesn't count yeah. i wouldn't recommend it as a podcast right yeah, they have podcasts for like some of the seasons, but they stopped doing that. And I think it's hard to listen to a podcast if the intended viewing was video. Yeah. 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 That's how I felt about Critical Role, too. Um, yeah. Right. I got so used to having watched them that then I tried listening to it as a podcast. I was like, this doesn't work for me. Right. I do listen to them as a podcast, but you do have to like big moments. I have to like go back and watch the video of those moments yeah because yeah. they use their faces a lot in the storytelling for they sure do use and their faces body language generally <laughs> same uh which is great for a podcast um all right well so those were the big those were the five genres i had kind of picked and the podcast i've pulled out are there any you think i'm like missing are there any you always recommend to people when they're like I've heard about this podcasting thing and I want to listen to some podcasts. What do you recommend? I don't know. I mean, like I, I got started on podcasts with my brother, my brother and me. And then sure. basically most of the podcasts I at some point or another have regularly listened to have basically like branched off of that. Okay. Where it's like, Oh, I've listened to like all these other McElroy podcasts and how, Oh, Hey, this person was a guest on one of them one time. And so sure. I started listening to the podcast they promoted, and now I listen to that one. And then they're on this other one, so I also listen to that one. So, like, listening mm-hmm. like, Hey the Riddle, Riddle. The McElroy Extended Universe, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so listening like, Hey Riddle Riddle, and Hello from the Magic Tavern, and stuff like that. Um, they A lot of them just kind of all branched off like that. Okay. Um, so Would you, know, you recommend My Brother, My Brother, and Me to just the average person trying to get into podcasting or it was that like I a think. specific audience you'd recommend that for i think if they were looking for a comedy podcast i think i would pitch it to them as like give it a shot where do you um, have them start though because the catalog of my brother my brother and me is intimidating <laughs> uh i mean i feel like any newer episode generally is fine okay um you know, there's going to be some weird ones that, uh, <laughs> you know, they might go off on a little bit more of a tangent than another episode. But, I mean, none of their episodes make any sense anymore anyway. Like, there's right. no... That's part of the bit. See, I think uh, yeah. I would have them start at, like, episode 50. Like, mm-hmm. the early ones are rough, even just from, like, an auditory experience standpoint. Yeah. Which yeah. they themselves um, say, like, don't listen to the first I mean, 50. Griffin was recording right. with a rock band microphone. But I, I think the... <laughs> um, I think I would... I think it's too inside jokey now. Like, I think without knowing the dynamic, yeah. I think it'd be tough to jump in right now. But I think, I think they are too harsh on their early episodes. Like... Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, are they things that they say that they wish they could take back? Probably. But, like... I don't know. I would I would tell somebody to start early. I don't listen to that the podcast anymore, but I yeah. I agree. I think it's a pretty easy like jump off point. 
I think too you could like I think you kind of have to listen to a couple in the first hundred to just kind of get the vibe and like understand their dynamics and stuff and then you can like kind of skip ahead to whatever like random episodes throughout their catalog and just kind of get a feel for it like I definitely think you do not need to listen to them all but like having some like eras of context is probably helpful I also think I they're probably have been killed by dynamic ads but their ad reads for extreme restraints are still like some (laughs) of the funniest moments oh yeah brother and me yeah that's a good call i think just like having listened to a comedy podcast from that era too of like the i don't know what year they started but like when everyone was doing custom written ads for all their ad spots like it was never canned like repeat repeated everything was always like a unique improv bit for the ad read like that was a good era for podcast ads uh in my opinion because now it's just like they're all the same they're all uh super repetitive i could only hear the same um ad for hello fresh and better help so many times like i just (laughs) am over it but like uh, at the time like again it was an ad it might have been an ad for uh the same thing you'd heard an ad for 17 times i'm trying to remember the big ones back in the day me undies i think was a huge one squarespace squarespace for sure yep that's a good pull but like it was always like they weren't doing the like you have to hit these exact paragraphs of talking points. It was like you have to mention Squarespace and do whatever else you want. <laughs> so it was yeah. good. I think the two genres you didn't mention that I would call out are like news podcasts. I sure listen. I think that is like I mean working in PR. Like I do a lot of news podcast listening. Mm-hmm, I feel like the mm-hmm. daily is just such a. I don't know someone in PR who doesn't listen to the daily and it's just such an easy like 20 minute here's what the most important story you need to know today yeah is quickly no, I from think the that's New York totally Times. true mm. I I still like the daily I don't listen every day but like when no, I, I when I like know there's topics I need to be more informed about like the daily's like my turn to podcast for that yeah so I think I think that's a good one and like any any like weekly, news podcast about topics you are interested in like i i listen to like sports podcast tech pot well uh, sports podcast was the other genre i was going to say sure, okay. like <laughs> hobby hobby or sport podcasts of like if you're way into video games there's lots of good weekly video game update right podcasts yeah. if you're into sports or if you're into F1. Individual sports teams, or if you're into fantasy sports, or if you're into F1, there are tons of like hobby specific weekly or like bi weekly or sometimes daily podcasts that you can can dig into. I think those are always good ones too. Yeah, I think that one's a little harder to like generally recommend to people because like if yeah, you're into specific. something I'm not into, like I may not have a good podcast rec for you on that one. And like, and or just like I think everyone's hobbies are so unique, but yeah, I th- think. I think definitely if there is a hobby you are super into, whether that's a watch along podcast of reality show Big Brother or Survivor or something like or uh, the Bachelor universe, like there's definitely ones you can find that will like satisfy your need to just like hear people talk about the thing you're also like passionate about. Yeah, or also just like, you know, 
if uh like finding a podcast that's by one of the people right that you're familiar with like you know if you're already a fan of conan that's an easy one but any celebrity um, has a podcast these days <laughs> yeah and not all of them are gonna be you know the best be all end all podcast but if it's a person you're interested in already anyway like that's automatically going to make it more interesting to you regardless right. of if the podcast is the best one or not um yeah for sure and so like if nothing else that might get you into listening to podcasts more and then let you branch out after that mm -hmm. well cool thanks cozy i'm sure uh someone listening potentially even kayla because she doesn't listen to a ton of different podcasts uh she was the first person i thought of when you're pitching all of these <laughs> um you know i'm sure someone will get something out of one of these and, and try a new genre they haven't tried before and yeah get something true. new mm -hmm. out of it all right the last thing on the lead I'm going to take that again. <laughs> no, this is it. This is the no. podcast. Not happening. We already clapped. <laughs> All right. The last thing on the agenda, Tim, is for you to pitch me something for next episode. What do you got for me? Yes. Uh, the thing I'm going to leave the agenda this time around is another video game. I thought about pitching you something else. I feel like we've done a lot of video games as we continue to power through the... A writer's strike is over, but the SAG-AFTRA actors' strike. Um, however, SAG-AFTRA has also authorized a video game strike for uh, voice actors. Uh, they've not called a strike yet, but it is authorized. So anytime, at the time we are recording this, October 11th on... Uh, it is possible we will get a video game strike, so I'm going to continue pitching you video games in the hopes of banking pitching my video games until knowing they might be gone in the future. <laughs> um, so here I am with another video game. Uh, Cody, how do you feel about Outer Wilds? I mean, it's great. Love it. Good good time, good fun. Lots of spooks uh, it's, at certain it's, points. It's good stuff. Yeah, I think it's well game. known on this podcast. We all think that's a very mediocre video game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let me tell you about a mediocre video game. So there's another video game, not called Outer Wilds, called Outer Worlds, which came uh -huh. out at the same time. Oh my gosh. And has suffered greatly for two reasons. One, because of its comparison to Outer Wilds, which has gone down as like an exceptionally good video game. It wasn't crazy high selling, but really, really well reviewed and well thought of outer worlds fairly forgettable um so it suffers in that comparison and two because it is an old school style of game it's an action role-playing game made by obsidian which is the the studio that made like kotor 2 the more interesting of the kotors and <laughs> pillars of eternity and they've made and pentiment was like a huge game that came out relatively recently um, so, like, big games, really good, well-reviewed games, uh, but Outer Worlds is, like, an action-adventure, people would say, like, Bioware-style game where you are an explorer, you get companions who are, like, party members, you go on quests with them, you unlock their own personal stories, very, like, Baldur's Gate-y, um, but it's an old-school game that, like, 
is an old school game that when it came out in 2019, right next to Outer Wilds, um, I, I think people were like, this is, I've kind of like seen this before, I've done it before. Uh, and so I went into playing Outer Worlds. It was on my list. I was like, I should play it. I like Obsidian stuff. I should give it a shot with a negative in a negative headspace already. I'm like, yeah. they, they've killed my boy, which is to say they've they ripped off Outer Wilds and just completely refused <laughs> to change their name. Um, they, uh, you know, there's a lot of like confusion. I think it it is it hurt Outer Wilds launch for sure that a giant big budget game with such a similar title came out at exactly the same time. Um, and so I went in with a negative headspace. I'd heard some not great reviews. And what I found was like a pretty inoffensive, straightforward, but like very enjoyable action RPG that I think is worth playing. Do I think it's going to, did it go down as like one of my favorite games? No. However, I, it was, it was a lot of fun. I think it was surprisingly funny throughout and the story was, my expectations were really low for the story and the story was pretty good. And like the biggest thing for this game is, I mean, I, I guess that that is the biggest thing of like it, it, I expected something really mid and not great. And I was like, this is like, as cozy has played through KOTOR and I sort of watched over her shoulder. I'm like, outer worlds is just straight up better than this game in every respect. And we just look at it through like rose tinted glasses because it's, old and i'm like outer <laughs> wilds is worth playing so to give a uh, a little breakdown on what outer wa- worlds i said outer wilds is worth playing this yeah. is going to be difficult to not <laughs> yeah and i was it it uh, just to be clear you never said like my pitch for you is outer worlds and sometimes like your oh sure you're, you're are, still like, waiting for the lead up <laughs> yeah yeah it, it feels like the lead up of like i'm gonna tell you and all so about this i'm thing. pitching you and so your pitch evolved. this uh, one no. I am pitching you Outer Worlds. To be okay. clear, I think you should play it. I think it's I think it's worth playing. the 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 pitch on Outer Worlds basically is it is a game set in a dystopian future where uh, humanity has like colonized all of these different uninhabited planets. Uh, each planet and sometimes networks of planets or solar systems are controlled by corporations. <clears throat> it's a very like cyberpunky corporation game and so like the two games that right now as we record this are in the zeitgeist are like cyberpunk 2077 Mm -hmm. uh, as it's come out with it's like big refresh and expansion and well it's not really in the zeitgeist anymore briefly starfield (laughs) uh and i'm kind of like i kind of feel i've not played either of those games but as i'm thinking about both of those games i'm kind of like outer worlds kind of gave me what i wanted from both of those settings. I think it's goofier than either of those games, but I think it still manages to tell like a, a pretty compelling, interesting, fun to play through a plot story too. Yeah, I'm kind of interested. This has popped up into my uh, view recently because of Starfield, because I did play a good deal of Starfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the... It sounds like they're like pretty different in a lot yeah. of ways, but it's still um, similar enough theming and whatnot that um, it's it's definitely popped up as like a, hey, maybe you should go play this or No Man's Sky or something like that. And so um, mm-hmm. it ha- it has piqued my interest a little bit lately. So I am 
I am interested in going in and checking out what Outer Worlds is all about. Yeah, I would say more KOTOR 2 than Skyrim. Like, more of games I've actually played as opposed to Starfield. Like, there are... It's not quite as linear as, like, the old-school Bioware RPGs where you're... There's a slight variation in what you... Uh, where you go but you're going to all these same places like the kotor's idea of choice was like you choose which order you go to planets in and this is a little more the world's a little open there are like bigger side quests that matter a little bit more but it still is like a fairly linear it's i no one would call this like an open world game like those games it's pretty it's pretty straightforward um but it does i think it scratches the like dystopian uh, space-faring colonial action game itch pretty well in a way that it seems like Starfield hasn't really. Like, the people who love that game really love it, but it does not seem like it's captured the, like, imagination in the way that even, to be honest, Outer Worlds did when it came out. Like, I was shitting all over Outer Worlds, but, like, it, it got pretty positive scores across the board. It just hasn't really, like, stayed in the cultural consciousness in the way like outer wilds has yeah yeah outer wilds it it had like such its own special place that i i remember hearing about that too um just kind of like not as much caring for something that was so familiar with outer worlds like in terms of like other games that had been out previously um you know pitting them up as like I think there was even like a shared writer between the two games who like worked on both of them and different stuff <laughs> like that if I remember correctly that yeah uh, I think Kelsey Beecham who is like the head story writer on Outer Wilds they like invited her to help write some of the DLC for Outer Worlds <laughs> as like both cuz she's a really good writer as evidenced by Outer Wilds but also I think kind of as like a fun little thing yeah um, but yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm very interested. I'll be uh, ready to give my review of it in a couple weeks. Yeah, I would say uh, it's it is probably too long for you to finish in two weeks. I like it's not it's not a terribly long game, but um, probably a long time unless it really grabs you. Yeah. Um, but I would just I would I would play a decent. It is the game. It is like it. It doesn't. Uh, the story evolves and goes different places as you continue to play, and it like continues to evolve and change right up to the end. Um, but like the game and its theme and its vibe and and the gameplay and just like the like I said, the vibe of the game stays pretty consistent. So play as much as you have time for, and and I think we'll be able to have a good conversation. Sounds good. Right, that's gonna do it thank you for listening to this week's episode of hard sell remember to drop us a rating and a review wherever you find your podcasts you can follow us on twitter at hard sell show you can send us an email at hard sell show at gmail.com if you've got suggestions for things that you want to pitch to us go ahead and send them there uh i know i asked this the last time i did the outro but tim uh <laughs> Uh, do you still are you still going to be regularly streaming on Twitch? 
Uh, we are going to still regularly be streaming on Twitch. We will be streaming once this comes out uh, the the next couple of Saturdays. So catch us on Twitch.tv at new Twitch.tv slash Hard Sell Show, not just the homepage of Twitch. Um, maybe Kyle we'll make and it I to are the still homepage. streaming Baldur's Gate. Maybe, maybe we'll see. Uh, Kyle and I still streaming Baldur's Gate three. It's going. Interestingly, Kyle has accidentally become an Oathbreaker Paladin, so things are going uh, <laughs> fascinatingly, but it's a good time. Awesome. And until next time, we'll catch you on the flippity flop. Catch you on the flippity flop.